This is the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. We have assembled the world's finest sports and trivia dorks to prove once and for all that we are just as bad at this as we were at sports. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast, sports trivia for those of us who rode the pine. I'm your host, Walling, and today's game will be pitting the Benchwarmer team of Matt and Marcus versus Benchwarmer David Lux and the returning player and assistant coach, Adrian Bias. Welcome back to the bench, Adrian. Take a, take a minute to remind us of where you're from, what teams you root for, and anything else you want to share. Yeah, I, I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm a fan of all the local teams here in Maryland, except for the football team, surprisingly. And I'm a, I'm a Raider fan, so that's either a gift or a curse. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm hopefully have some fun answer these questions today. Yeah, you've got quite the division this year. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I inherited the Raiders from my dad, so they're my second team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. All right, and Mr. Lux, how are you doing? Let us know what uh, your and Adrian's team name is going to be. I'm good. I uh, just met my teammate here just, just a few minutes before the podcast, and we were chatting before we started recording about the best Twitter follow there is. That's the Iron Cheek. And decided we had to do something in our team name to to honor such a such art. So our team name tonight is going to be Break Your Back in the Camel Clutch. And for those of you following along at home, that's in all caps. Definitely, but I, I don't have the nerve to scream it each time. But I'll make you do that as the host. Me either. Put you in the Camel Clutch, Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt and Marcus, how are you guys doing? Uh, and then let us know what your team name is going to be. Um, universe, you want sure, <laughs> sure. Well, I'm excited because uh, the Wild made a bunch of uh, trades. So probably by the time this episode comes out, they'll either have lost in the first round or uh, <laughs> or are not doing so good, um, whatever. But anyway, but they got uh, probably a Hall of Famer goalie with uh, the flower uh, between the sticks. So I'm excited, excited for the Wild, but we'll see how that goes. And I had a fun weekend in Kansas City where I got to hang out with Mr. Walling for a couple hours. So, yeah. did. We drank all the beers. <laughs> you drink the beers. I drink uh, other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Matt drank all those. Speaking of, Marcus. What was that? Speaking of drinking? Is that what you No, meant? I was speaking of, of I was going to say, what's your, you guys' team name? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm doing well, by the way. I went and saw the Kraken in, in person for the first time. And they were down two nothing in the third period, and they scored four uh, nice. unanswered. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then we traded everybody away. Well, not everybody, but a few guys. So we'll see how it looks next year. But uh, excited for Mariners baseball to start. And uh, yeah, so in honor of your guys' fun little weekend, and Matt so uh, <laughs> eloquently before the show told us that he loves a whiskey sour with orange liqueur. I love orange liqueur. It's fantastic. So our team name today is a Clockwork Orange Liqueur. All right. Two backbreaking team names. Um, <laughs> and a Clockwork Clockwork Orange Liqueur. Now let's kick it over to Dan for the rules. We'll be starting off with the coin flip question to warm up the teams. This will be followed by four quarters of play, each with a different trivia style. The styles of quarters one through three will change from show to show, and I will explain them as we go along. Like any good sporting event, we will have a halftime show after the second quarter with entertainment questions pertaining to sports. 
And in the fourth quarter, our teams will wager from their points accumulated to see your today's clipboard captains to be honored like the true bench roamers they are. All right, let's get this game underway. It's time for the coin flip. A 50-50 warm-up question worth 10 points. Today's coin flip question will be going to our guest and his teammate. So today's coin flip question is, which MLB team founded in 1998 has more regular season wins in their franchise history? Is it the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Tampa Bay Rays? Hmm. I'm trying to think. What do you think, David? I don't know. I mean, so my first instinct is that I mean, the Diamondbacks at least won a World Series, but I feel like Tampa Bay has been consistently better. But when they first started, weren't they like awful? Yeah, they were awful for a while, but they've been consistently good for, I mean, well, I don't know. My, my instinct still tells me the Rays, but only because the Diamondbacks have been so awful. They were god awful last year. Uh, geez, I don't know. I mean, it's a coin flip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my, my gut tells me the Rays, but I don't, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put any money on it. You're feeling? What are you thinking? I think that it's close, and I agree with you with the Rays, but I think the Diamondbacks might have, might have like a small advantage over them. Let's, let's go with that. I have no strong feelings. Let's go with that. Okay. We're going to check in with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. So the Tampa Bay Rays uh, have won 1,826 games in their illustrious uh, career or franchise history. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks have won 1,840. So the correct answer was the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nice. Well done. Okay, after the coin flip, we have a score of break your back in the camel clutch with 10 and a clockwork orange liqueur yet to get on the board. Before we get to the first quarter, we wanted to let you know that we are on Patreon if you'd be interested in supporting us financially. Your contributions will be used to help us cover the costs that it takes to bring you the high-quality sports trivia you have come to expect from us. There's also some great perks that come with the Patreon membership to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast, including bonus episodes and Benchwarmers swag. You can find us at patreon.com slash benchwarmersTP. Thanks. And today's first quarter will be Flop, Turn, and River. Flop, Turn, and River. For this quarter, there will be three questions consisting of five clues. The first three clues will be given before the teams decide if they want to check in with their guests. The last two clues will be given one at a time, with teams deciding if they want to check in with their guests after each subsequent clue. If a correct answer is checked in after the first three clues, the team will receive 50 points. After the fourth clue, 30. And after the fifth clue, 20. On to question number one, what am I? I am currently located in a facility adjacent to Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence. Clue number two, I originated in 1891, but was published in 1892. Clue number three, I was purchased at a Sotheby's auction in 2010 for $4.3 million. We can check in. All right. The Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in. And the Camel Clutch Boys, you guys can talk it out or let me know if you want another clue. 
So um, Adrian had sent me the the rules for basketball. Uh, do you, do you know for sure that they were? I mean, the way he says published in 1892, that makes uh-huh. sense. And if, yeah. if any and if any place they were going to be, the Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, would seem like a historical place. But do you do you know for sure? I don't remember hearing them that they that they were sold. So that was a little bit of a throw to me. But I think they were. I remember seeing like a thirty for thirty, or maybe a thirty for thirty short on that. Oh, well, that would make sense then. Um, I mean, so so you want to say like the original the original rules of basketball, or whether the Naismith's original thirteen rules, or whatever it was called. I don't know how specific we have to be. Do you want to say? Do you want to go with that Naismith's uh, rules of basketball? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it makes it makes all the sense in the world, and it seems like something that could go for a lot of money. All right, uh-huh. all right. You want you? Should we check that in? We check that in. Go ahead. Okay, we'll check in with Naismith's rules for basketball. All right, and uh, Clockwork Orange Liqueur. What did you guys check in with? Yeah, Adrian is one hundred percent correct. This was a uh, thirty for thirty. Um, if I recall correctly, the original rules were taped up on a wall in Springfield, Massachusetts in the original gymnasium where Naismith was the coach and the Naismith family wanted it to be in Kansas where he was the coach later. Right. That's how that works out. And then the family did everything they could. Cause this was years after he had passed away. So the family did everything they could to make sure that the, cause the original rules were sold at some point or something. The, the 30 for 30 tells the story. I'm going to shut up. Yeah. The original rules of basketball. Okay, both teams will be receiving points. The other clues that I had was I am a list of 13 things and was created to help distract a rowdy class during a harsh winter. And clue number five, some of those 13 things include a foul is striking the ball with the fist. A player cannot run with the ball and a goal shall be made when the ball is thrown from the grounds into the peach basket. It was purchased in 2010 by David Booth, a Lawrence resident who got two degrees from KU, uh, a bachelor's in economics and a master's, um, paid $4 million for it. And then they built the what's called the DeBruce Center, which is adjacent to uh, Allen Fieldhouse. And you can go in and see the original rules. It's really neat. Question number two, who am I? Clue number one, I played for five different teams in my Major League Baseball career that included 12 All-Star Game selections, but the majority of my career was spent with two of those five. Clue number two, my jersey was purchased for the highest ever price paid for a modern MLB jersey in 2017. Clue number three, I am the godfather of Zach Wilde's son. Zach Wilde is the lead singer of Black Label Society. Um, we are willing to uh, take another clue. All right. Clockwork Orange Liqueur will be taking another clue. Break your back in camel clutch. I think we want another clue. Okay. Both teams moving to clue number four. I hit 278 during my stint with the Marlins, but was unable to muster a home run in any of those five games. We're going to check in. All right. Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in, so... Break your back in the camel clutch. You guys can talk it out. Yeah. So the five games with the Marlins brings me straight to Mike Piazza because me, me, me too. Okay. Okay. So I don't know what you remember about that, but I remember he was traded from the Dodgers who were dumping salary. And then the Marlins immediately turned around and traded him to the Mets because they were dumping salary. Um, so it was sort of a combination of moves. Why he would be the highest paid ever Jersey. 
Okay, and the other question is five teams. He definitely played for the Dodgers. Dodgers, Marlins. Mets. Mets. And I think towards the end of his career, he played for Padres and A's, maybe? It was, it was, it was back to the West Coast. I want to say it was the Padres and the A's. And the A's would make sense because he might have DH'd by then. So the five five teams does make sense for him. Do you are, are you all right with checking in with Mike Piazza? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, we will check in with Mike Piazza. Okay, and the Clockwork Orange liqueur. What did you check in with? Yeah, I so elegantly said uh, uh, Dodgers catcher Mets, and Marcus is like, oh yeah, I know people's names. <laughs> well, and on top of that, I started off thinking this maybe this. Could be, I I immediately went to a catcher, but it was Pudge. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, but why would his jersey, the jersey didn't match up with me. And then once he said Dodgers catcher, I was like, oh yeah, this is absolutely Mike Piazza. So that's what we checked in with. Clue number five, my brother's godfather did my family a favor by drafting me to his longtime team mm. with the 1390th pick in the 1988 MLB draft. And that is Mike Piazza. So the most expensive or the highest price ever played, paid for a modern. Now, mind you, it's modern MLB jersey, not a Babe Ruth, not a Lou Gehrig, not right. something like that, was for the jersey he was wearing when he hit the famous home run uh, after the September 11th attacks, mm. the walk-off home run. It is now alternates between the Baseball Hall of Fame and the 9-11 Museum. And it was bought by like Anthony Scaramucci and a handful of investors. Mm. that that bought it because they wanted to keep it in new york back and forth so uh yeah that that is the the most ever paid for a modern mlb jersey today that's really cool let's go on then to question number three who am i clue number one i was once a minority owner of the sacramento kings but sold my stake in the team in january of 2022 clue number two I was pranked on an episode of Punked, where a cast member accused me of stealing their parking spot before letting the air out of my tires while I was inside eating at a restaurant. And clue number three, I am an unlockable fighter in UFC Undisputed 2010, although they lowered my weight to 280 pounds. You all right with that? Yep. We'll check in. Okay. Break your back in the camel clutch has checked in. So... Clockwork Orange Liqueur, you guys can talk it out. Okay. All this sounds so familiar. I don't know anything about two or three. The only one I'm going off of is one, and it's really just a wild-ass guess. Okay. Throw it at me. I thought I heard that Shaq was a partial owner of the Kings at one point. Sure. Punk would work for Shaq. But those don't lock anything down for one or two or three for you? No. All right, then I think we need another one then. I mean, it's just a guess then, so. Yeah, that's fine. We'll take another one. Okay. Clue number four. I am on the board of directors at Papa John's and own nine of their stores in the Atlanta area. Yeah, it's uh, Shaquille O'Neal. We can check in with that. Okay. Break your back into Camel Clutch. What did you check in with? Oh, I, uh, I, I, I knew that I got this off of actually clue one and two because I remember the punked episode that this happened on. And it's definitely Kayla O'Neal. All right. Clue number five. I averaged 23.7 points, 10.9 rebounds, and made 52.7% of my free throws in my 19-year career. Beginning in 1992-93, the correct answer was Shaquille O'Neal. 
I saw a three second YouTube video the other day that was titled as every single three point that Shaquille O'Neal ever made. <laughs> <laughs> he was no minute bowl, that's for sure. My my flavor text. Did you know Shaquille O'Neal is a Freemason, proving that the Illuminati is indeed real. <laughs> All right. After the first quarter, we have scores of a clockwork orange liqueur with 110 and break your back in the camel clutch with 140. Support for the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Join over 4 million men worldwide with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BTP at manscaped.com. Eight, four, four million men, eight million balls. You know what to do. I Let me, let me tell you guys a little story um, about living in a house with five other dudes and sharing one bathroom and trying <laughs> to find the time to, you know, this is, this is pre-manscaped, finding the time to do some... Uh, maintenance it's not Mm. fun lots of nicks and those are frightening to be completely honest Mm -hmm. but with manscaped you don't have to worry about that it is designed to uh, to reduce nicks snags tugs it's fantastic i've been using it for years and now that we have this awesome opportunity i'm very excited to share it all with all of you Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BTP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right. Today's second quarter will be the odd one out. The odd one out. For this quarter, there will be three categorized questions containing lists of six items. The teams will attempt to choose the item from the list that does not fit the given category. Each question is worth 50 points. For today's odd one out, we have a very special Women's History Month edition. So these will all be questions about women's sports. Take that, Eid. Okay. Question number one. Which is the odd one out of the top five teams not named UCLA, current leader with 12, with the most NCAA softball college World Series tournament championships? So UCLA is first, and then the next five teams are... Which one is not one of the next five teams? So, number one, Arizona State. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Arizona. Number four, Texas A&M. Number five, Florida. And number six, Oklahoma. All right, we're going to check in. Okay, break your back in the camel clutch has checked in. So clockwork orange liqueur, you can talk it out. So if so if UCLA has twelve, 
Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm thinking that the bottom of this list is going to be like a bunch of people, a bunch of schools with like two and three or something like that. I don't know. Just guessing. Uh, but. Probably fair. But uh, so, like I said, my gut is Arizona State because, mm-hmm. like I said, with Arizona, they had Jenny Finch and. Yep. But that also to me, is that a red herring? Like, is that because we know Jenny Finch went there? Is that the one? But since I've been paying attention to UW softball, which is like the past like five or six years, I don't ever remember Arizona State being that good. And then again, my fear is that maybe they were good a long time ago and I just don't remember that. But I mean, every year, I mean, uh, Florida had that Churchill girl that pitched for their pitch for them very recently that was really really good i mean oklahoma i think they won last year Um, i was gonna say i thought they won last year or something like that i'm pretty sure and they're always very good i don't know i think i might my gut's arizona state i don't really have a ton of logic to get off of that let's go with it if you've got just a little bit of something let's go with arizona state i'm basically just going off of who i remember seeing in the college world series like a lot (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's good or bad, so I guess we'll just go with it. We'll, we're going to check in with Arizona State. Okay, and break your back into Camel Clutch. Which did you guys choose as the odd one out? Well, we were we were down to Arizona State or Alabama, and I think it sounds like our conversation was shorter but very similar. Um, I thought that Alabama was a I, – I, I, we sort of focused on those because they seem like good distractors. We know that Arizona's on the list. Um, we thought maybe Arizona State was, but ultimately we went with Alabama because it seemed like a better, even better distractor. One team will be receiving points. The correct answer with one title in 2012 was Alabama. Arizona State won their second in 2011. So one year before Alabama won their first. Uh, going down the list, Arizona with eight, Oklahoma with five. Also, they pretty much have home field advantage in all of these because they play the College World Series at their stadium. Uh, Arizona State with two, Florida with two, and Texas A&M with two, both of Texas A&M's being in the 1980s. Question number two, while UConn and Tennessee have 11 and 8 NCAA basketball titles respectively, there are five teams tied behind them with either three or two championships. Which is the odd one out? Number one, USC. Number two, Louisiana Tech. Number three, Stanford. Number four, Texas Tech. Number five, Baylor. And number six, Notre Dame. You good with that? Yeah, we can go ahead and check that in. Okay. Break your back and the camel clutch is checked in. So clockwork orange liqueur, you can talk it out. Okay. So we both agree that Notre Dame and Baylor, or at least Baylor is up there. We agree on that, right? Yeah. Kim Mulkey won two or three while she was there. And I remember Notre Dame winning a bunch. Um, I want to say like in the, like way back in the day, like, 70s and 80s or 90s or something like that. I can't remember. Well, when and they exactly. won one recently with. Um, oh, did they? Okay. Arike Ogumbawale. She hit those two uh, game winning game winners in so back to back games to win the championship. So that would put them at least, we're saying two or three. So, okay. So then. 
USC, is it just me or I thought USC won a bunch like in the, maybe not a bunch, but they won some with um, Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller. Yeah. In the eight, early 80s, mid 80s. I don't know. I, do, I just, I, you know, it's just something that's missing for me. I don't, I don't know if they won while she was there. I mean, I was. No, no, I know for sure they did. Okay. They won well, then, for sure the. This is why I think it might have been 84, the year that they she won the gold medal in LA. They also won the national championship that year. I, I think I remember that hearing that stat one time. Okay. But that was two. I'm not saying that that's for sure, but that I think they won at least two, maybe three in the 80s. Okay, well, if you think that, then that means that they're not the odd one out. Yep. And um, Louisiana, for some reason, why does Louisiana Louisiana Tech sit in the back of my brain as being good at some point, but I can't yeah, remember they, when. I think they won two in a row. This was also a back-in-the-day one. I, I feel like we had a question that was something about college national championships, and I think we have Louisiana Tech. I think there was a, something that's tickling my brain about Louisiana Tech winning multiple. So that leaves us with Stanford and Texas Tech. I don't know enough about Texas Tech women. Stanford's always really good. But maybe that's just it, is that they're always really good. But I don't really recall a ton of times where they win. They've always been like a one seed. They've been a one seed a ton of times. They had... um. Uh, the Ogumake sisters, they had them mm-hmm. for a while, but I don't know that they won while they were there. That's my lean. My lean would be Stanford, I think. As being being the on, being the one that net does not oh. I did a question, so I I'm I'm very confident that they won at least one. Because I right. did a question once about Stanford. Um and like they've won something like 124 right. national championships or something like that or whatever. And mm-hmm. and women's basketball was one of them. So um, you made the call. You said Stanford, you think, is the one that's not on I the list? The call, I made the call last time and we got it incorrect. So Okay, well, let's go with mine then. Let's go Texas Tech then. Okay. What difference does it make? Okay. We're going to check in with Texas Tech. All right. And break your back in the camel clutch. What did you guys have? Oh, well, we... I knew that Stanford had won, I think, in the early 90s, and they won last year. So, and I also knew that Texas Tech only won. I, I knew that Texas Tech had won one, but I didn't know they had won more than one. So we went with Texas Tech as well. Both teams will be receiving points. Well done. It is correct. Adrian hit it right on the head. Stanford did win last year. Um, Stanford has also won. Let's see. Sorry, I just had this pulled up. Had to be the early nineties, right? Uh, Ninety and ninety-two. Oh, they won three times. Yes, they have won three. All with with the same coach, Tara Tara Vanderveer. She's been there for uh, seems like a million years. Yeah. So Baylor with three: two thousand five, two thousand twelve, and two thousand nineteen. The Stanford years: Louisiana Tech, nineteen eighty-two and nineteen eighty-eight. Notre Dame, two thousand one and two thousand eighteen, and USC. Like you mentioned 1983 and 1984. 83 and 84. Texas A&M, or excuse me, Texas Tech, 1993 with Cheryl Swoops, which was also the only time that they have made a Final Four. 
See, that's why we had to go with your answer. I wasn't, I wasn't this confident. Great job. Fine squirrel once in a while, bro. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On to question number three. Which is the odd one out of the top five players with the most career goals for the U.S. women's soccer team? Number one, Alex Morgan. Number two, Christine Lilly. Number three, Carly Lloyd. Number four, Abby Wambach. Number five, Megan Rapino. And number six, Mia Hamm. Um, look what I just put. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, because um All right, we're gonna check in. All right. Mark Marcus must have just typed another long message because <laughs> break your back in the camel clutch has just checked in. I was I was waiting for him to say, Did you read what I wrote? And then I decided <laughs> to check. <laughs> All right, clockwork orange liqueur, you guys can talk it out. Um uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think we're pretty I, – I think I was I was ready to check in, and I think we were about to check in, but didn't get that opportunity. So, Matt, you said you wrote – you did a question similar like a year ago or something like that? Well, I, I, did, a, I did a thing about – because somebody had just passed somebody on the list, and I think I had wrote a question about – because I think like Abby Wambach was close to passing somebody. And so I did a question, not about her, but about this. And I do remember that um, Carly Lloyd is pretty high up there. And Christine Lilly, I think might be the highest. I think Wambach's the highest. I think when she, retired, I think you're probably right. The... I know she had like two world cups where she was just crazy she when, you, when you're when you're doing when you're looking up five on threes you tend to just go through certain lists and i think we both settled on the fact that we don't think megan rapino is in the top 10 yeah because she was a or, midfield- I mean, not in the top 10 in the top five yeah she's a midfielder and so she wasn't i mean she was she's probably one of yeah. the best midfielders in the history of the game but uh she but she's i don't think she was she wasn't a prolific goal scorer so let's uh let's say she's number one in goal celebrations, but she's not in the top five here. So we are going to check in with Megan Rapino. Okay, and break your back into camel clutch. What did you? Uh, check in with? <laughs> yeah, we had the same logic. Um, I I feel like number one was Abby Wambach. Um, uh, Mia Hamm is pretty high up the list although for a brief time I thought she was going to be like the ultimate distractor but I feel like I've looked at this list before so I'm pretty sure it's Megan Rapinoe I'm sure it's not Marcus's fiance Alex Morgan Ugh. So I don't know what she's doing with a kid and like a husband but <laughs> one day <laughs> anyway we checked in we checked in with Megan Rapinoe right well I can tell you that Mia Hamm is the all-time leader in assists uh, and also the number two all-time leading scorer. So she is definitely on this list, but both teams will be receiving points. The correct answer was Megan Rapinoe. And yes, you are correct. She is a midfielder. Um, She has scored 62 goals, which keeps her relatively low number 10 overall on the list, but not the top five. Abby Wambach with 184 goals, an average of, 0.72 goals per game. That's pretty, 
pretty prolific. Yep. Mia Hamm, 158. Carly Lloyd, 134. Christine Lilly, 130. And Alex Morgan recently passed Mich- Michelle Akers. Uh, she has 115 goals. Akers had 107. All right. Well, well done, everyone. Look at that. Look at all the points. Look at you and loving women. At the end of the second quarter, we have a score of a clockwork orange liqueur with 210 and the camel clutch breaking their back slightly with 290. Still anyone's game. We're scrambling for that bottom rope right now. We are (laughs) reaching for that hot tag. That brings us to halftime. It is now time for the halftime show. There will be three entertainment questions pertaining to sports, with each question worth 25 points. Because I can't be bothered to think of things that um, that have multiple multiple way, ways that I have to research them, uh, I have decided to do another theme halftime. This one is all sports songs. Yay, sports music. Oh, wait. It gets better. Thank you for all your groans and your head head shakes in the, <laughs> in the chat. You guys should be glad this isn't a visual medium. <clears throat> all right, here, starting off with Marcus's favorite band. Question number one. What foreigner song slash album title that many think is about being, <laughs> being drunk or high was actually inspired by vocalist Lou Graham watching a Rangers-Flyers hockey game, seeing the Rangers goalie get knocked out, and then hearing he wouldn't return due to the symptoms he was experiencing. All right, we're going to go ahead and check it in. Okay, Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in. Break your back in the camel clutch. You can talk it out. All right, so the two foreigner albums that I could come up with both could reasonably qualify as something that could happen to you as a symptom, sort of, of, of getting knocked out. The, the obvious one to me is double vision, but the other one is head games. So I'm struggling a little bit, but I think it's probably double vision, Adrian. Okay. That's, I'm no help to you on this question. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be sorry, but uh, we'll see if it's right or not. All right. We will check in with double vision and I'll spare you because it's now running through my head probably for the next rest of the game. Uh, okay and clockwork orange liqueur what did you check in with yeah so i didn't even think about head games but yeah the first thing that popped in mind was double vision so i thought it's gotta be that right so yeah we checked in with double vision actually 1991's unusual heat no uh the correct answer (laughs) was in fact double vision so the quote from lou graham Said he while he was recording, he had a this is this dates this reference. He had an eight inch TV taped inside the vocal booth and he would watch Rangers games. Uh, he said on a play, the play had stopped when Dave Schultz from the Flyers skated in front of John Davidson, the Rangers goalie, gave him an elbow and knocked him out cold. He was, you could say, he may have been cold as ice. Uh, every so often, the announcers would come on and say they were waiting for word on the condition of Davidson. Finally, the announcer said, the trainers said they don't think Davidson will be back tonight. He doesn't have a concussion, but he is experiencing double vision. 
Okay. All right. We, uh, Josh North and I were having this conversation last night about, can you name how many times you were playing sports growing up and you got your bell rung? <laughs> yes. <laughs> which equates to the same thing, which equates to you probably had a concussion. A mild concussion. <laughs> Anytime you, you remember your dad. Yeah, look- yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're, you're fine. You got your bell rung. Yeah. Like I'm seeing stars, Dad. I don't think this is normal. But Dad, my ears are <laughs> ringing for three hours straight. Oh, <laughs> uh, good times. All right, just shoot at the one in the middle, right? <laughs> That's why. Hey, hey, and no joke. Like coaching kids now is I'm like, so they'll tell me like what's bothering them, and I go, okay. So if they say it's something with their head, I go, look at me right now. I go, you need to be honest. Eat like you know, and I and I get in their face, and I'm like, look, because if you say these words, I have to take your helmet away from you. Just know this, and I go, I don't want you to lie. Look at me, be completely honest. And yeah, it's it's surprising when you, <laughs> how many of them are just like, yeah, I can't even, like, I don't, can't see straight, and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, I'll take that, and <laughs> you have to sit out for the rest of the game. Sorry, buddy. Give me and be hand them off honest. to the trainer. Are you Batman? And if they say yes, then and then they're like, take their helmet. No, I'm vengeance. <laughs> they have so much eye black on, it's hard to tell. Okay, question number two. <laughs> Very similar genre. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, <laughs> hot off the success of A Nightmare on My Street, released the first single from their album, and in this corner, titled I Think I Can Beat Who? It was a first single the duo released to be available on compact disc. Are we gonna? Yeah, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Are we gonna always... three two on this? We oh. don't get to do it very often. We probably should. But you're, probably gonna should. It, you're gonna you're gonna do it with Adrian. He texted me before I even had a chance. All okay. right. <laughs> All right. Well, then why don't you guys three two one this? Here, you count us in, Eric. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson. I think I can beat Mike Tyson. That is correct. The correct answer is, I think I can beat Mike Tyson. Uh, my favorite verse from the song, which I won't rap, but I will read. Um, I, came, I came out hustling, sliding and grabbing, slipping and dipping, hustling and jabbing. For a second, I looked good out there. But then Mike brought, my, brought to reality my worst nightmare. One punch, that's all it took. Hit me in my ribs and my inside shook. Now, how can I say this and be a little discreet? Let's just say that my bowels released. Please tell me you've heard the the Lonely Island uh, parody of this. No, I don't think I have. Oh my god! Okay, homework uh, assignment. <laughs> uh, yeah, homework assignment. Uh, look up the song by the Lonely Island. How I beat Rocky. I'd also like to point out, you know, who else could beat Mike Tyson is the Iron Sheik. I'm quite certain. He <laughs> <laughs> would call him a jabroni. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, oh. we're all jabronis in the sh- and in the Iron Sheik's eyes. This is true. <laughs> Question number three, continuing, continuing the um, the music theme. What band recorded the 1999 song "Crush 'Em" primarily as a hockey theme because they were quote sick of hearing Gary Glitter every time someone scored a goal? A shortened version of the song was Goldberg's entrance theme when he returned to Monday Nitro in 1999, and Goldberg also appears in the music video. 
can can I just say how much I, as a child, appreciated Gilberg? <laughs> when when the pyro would go on, and you'd be like, oh. <laughs> Gilbert lives around here. Does he really? Yeah, he coached my uh, he coached one of my cousins in uh, youth football. That's amazing. That is tremendous. (laughs) I think I could be the Gilbert of this uh, podcast. (laughs) He is the simple farm boy of (laughs) David. That means when we do a meetup, I'm going to spray you with a fire extinguisher, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Absolutely, I will react appropriately. Hey, Matt, whatever you got on this, I'm not going to help you. I have no idea. (laughs) I'll check this in. Okay, perfect. All right. The clockwork orange liqueur has checked in. So break your back with the camel clutch. You guys can talk it out. Well, thus far in our chat, we have had a brilliant exchange where I said to Adrian, I've got nothing. And he responded, me neither. So this doesn't bode well for us. Uh, not, Not for this question. No. I, I, maybe we should just not. Maybe we should just not uh, prolong the agony. Are you, you know, while you guys are thinking about it, I have a, I have a development real quick. I have looked up a Gilbert picture of the people who would stand next to him with sparklers when he came yeah, out. Of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got down a Gilbert rabbit hole. It's the it's the best. Hey, it's the best because anytime you see like a famous segment in in wrestling history there's always like some wrestler who ends up being famous that's just coming up that's in the background and it's awesome so there's probably some there's probably somebody in that picture that's that's somebody you would recognize as a wrestler now okay you may continue your your our our non-existent deliberation yes your deliberation uh uh, adrian do you you want to just completely punt i'd just say we go with um we Go with another band associated with WCW at the time, and we'll we're just gonna check in with. I mean, you have nothing, right? I have nothing. Go with, with whatever you got. We're we're gonna check in with the West Texas Rednecks. All right, <laughs> and and uh, Clockwork Orange Liqueur. Did you also come up with the West Texas Texas Rednecks? No, I, I I only think I might know this a little bit because. A lot of my uh, Bayern buddies are like uh, listen to like death metal and stuff like that. And I thought I heard them playing this song and I think it might be Megadeth. Lead singer Dave Mustaine would go on to call Crushem, quote, one of the dumbest songs they had ever wrote. The correct answer was Megadeth. Ow. I have no words, Matt. Nope. Uh, well, yeah. well done, Matt. And congratulations. And Adrian, yeah, Adrian, I don't feel bad about that at all. You could have given me all night. I could have guessed that. <laughs> nah. Yeah. You could have told. It, you could have told me it was Dave Mustaine, and I wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> Dave Mustaine. If you would have had Dave Mustaine in the question, so. Yeah, I was for sure. If I if putting Dave Mustaine in there would be too much. It was also the used as a song in the. Soundtrack of Universal Soldier: The Return. So the Ooh, video features with Goldberg in it. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme and Goldberg. It has to be the toughest video in the history of mankind. Absolutely. Okay, after halftime, we have a little bit closer score. Break your back in the camel clutch with three hundred and forty points, and a clockwork orange liqueur with two hundred and eighty-five. 
Now on to the second half. We'd like to take a minute to invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BenchwarmersTP. We also have a Facebook group for fans of the pod called The Bench. Join us there to comment on the latest episodes and share cool sports facts and trivia. If you'd be willing to rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd greatly appreciate the support so that other people may find this podcast. Thanks. Today's third quarter will be Lux versus Goliath. <laughs> David versus Goliath. This quarter will consist of three pairs of questions, one easier, David, and one harder, Goliath. After hearing both questions, the teams will pick one of the two questions to answer, either David or Goliath. Each David question is worth 25 points, and each Goliath question is worth 50 points. All right. In the same vein, it's just all of these... The easy questions are either brown athletes or, or from Oregon. Um, yeah, oh. we prefer you either say black or African American. <laughs> <laughs> when you had that pause after brown, I was like, "What is? Where is he going with this?" <laughs> say, Stop at the I, wrong part of sentence. I I know you did women athletes for Women Histories Month, but you're. You're like 22 days late for. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Enough of you. Enough with you. You people. Uh, What do you mean? You you people. people? (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. Okay. Or are we? All right. Question number one, David, name me. The two current MLB spring training leagues. Question number one, Goliath. Name me the location of the original birthplace of spring training baseball. It was a subject of the MLB Network documentary, The First Boys of Spring, narrated by Billy Bob Thornton. Do you do it as sling blade? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the way you play baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like you when you hit that ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we're going to check in. Break your back with the camel clutch has checked in. So clockwork orange liqueur, please talk it out. <sighs> Question for you, um, Eric. Do we have to come up with the the actual like the city yeah i'm looking for the city in this for goliath yeah yes i'm looking for the city you don't have to come up with the name of of the league i just want the city the location yeah for some reason i I there's something pops in my brain about the i can't i don't know something in arkansas yeah i i've never seen it so what sucks no, I haven't seen use... it either, but I I think... Anyway, go ahead. No, no, no. All, all I'm saying is if you have a semi-strong feeling on it, then you should go with it because, A, your your uh, what you've been thinking has worked. And secondly, David and Adrian are very smart, so I'd be willing to bet they yeah. answered the Goliath. 
Well, so if you cool. have a if you have a more than fifty percent feeling, I say we just go for it. I'm thinking I'm right at been, fifty. So because we've been treading water, and you've been like, oh, you know, like when we were doing the other um, flop turn the river, you said, okay, let's take an extra one and get points. We gotta at some point take some risks if we yeah. want to try and win. So I say, if you are fifty or more, let's do it. We're gonna check in with uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, for the Goliath. Okay. And break your back with the camel clutch. What did you guys come up with? Yeah, so I said I'm 90% sure somewhere in Arkansas, but I can't come up with the name. I started sort of rubbing the side of my head, hoping the answer would come. And then Adrian came back with Little Rock, Fayetteville, Hot Springs. And I said, that's it. It's Hot Springs. So um, we're checking in for Goliath with Hot Springs, Arkansas. Both teams will be receiving their points. It has been called the original birthplace of spring training baseball in 1886 the white stockings traveled to hot springs to prepare for their upcoming season they had a good season other teams started taking notice and a bunch of teams like the cleveland spiders and so on and so forth boston red sox does anyone know what famous famous occurrence that changed the course of baseball history took place in uh, on St. Patrick's Day in 1918 in Hot Springs. Anybody? Anybody? It's the first time Babe Ruth played a position other than pitcher, and he mm. celebrated it by hitting a 573-foot home run <laughs> in 1918. So, yeah. Uh, turned out they had found something and decided to stick with it. So, yeah, he hit it across a street into an alligator farm. <laughs> so they, yeah, proceeded, they also proceeded, throw the ball at like uh, 83 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Their fastball. That's true. But Babe Ruth then proceeded to cross the street, take the alligator, knock him out, pull the ball out of the, I mean, you got to build up the right. legend here. Yeah, well, no, that was Chuck Norris that did all and then he ate him. <laughs> right, right, right. And then he ate him, and then that gator's skin became Ric Flair's shoes when he was in the NWA. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and, the, uh, and that gator was mad because he had all those teeth and no toothbrush. Dula Ablangata. So I think the second um, Gator having no teeth or all those teeth reference in two games for me. So let's keep the streak alive. Question two, David. The location of this year's Final Four. Question number two, Goliath. The first city to have hosted the NCAA championship basketball game twice. Just to clarify, you do mean men's final four, right? I do mean men's. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, David. That's very <laughs> progressive of you. <laughs> Let's uh, go ahead and check it in, Mr. Walling. Okay. Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in. So break your back with the camel clutch. You guys can talk it out. Well, so David is New Orleans. And we're throwing around different ideas for Goliath. The ones that come up for us are, I was sort of proposing a know your host and maybe it's Kansas city because that would kind of make sense that they would keep it near Kansas historically good school and all. Um, the other one that would jump out at me, but it would seem too obvious for Goliath maybe would be Madison square garden in New York. But, I don't have a whole lot of thunder for anything on this. 
What do you yeah, think? I'm trying, Go ahead. I'm trying to think about like the 60s and 70s. I don't know where a lot of those were hosted at. This goes back to the, so the tournament started in 39. The other reason I know right. that is Oregon won the first one. <laughs> so I know Marcus just rolled his eyes at me. Oregon did win the very first one. <laughs> what do you and mean? Hasn't, <laughs> hasn't won since. I think Marcus was there. He got beat up at that game. I'm not sure. But the, I don't uh, think- this is the Oregon Beavers. Oh, I hope you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, man. That was good. <sighs> I'm sorry. They've distracted me. Adrian, what, what did you, what were you about to say? I was, I no, I was just thinking that in the sixties, they didn't repeat a lot of places. Did they? So I think in the early days, there was a lot more repetition. So in the early days, I think there were a bunch in Kansas city. I think there were a bunch in Louisville. Um, I think there were a bunch in Madison square garden. And that was back when the NIT tournament was as important as the NCAA tournament and teams right. would actually, I I, the, yeah. And teams would compete in both. in both. I knew the NIT was a lot. I knew the, and I knew the NIT was bigger. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to, uh, tr- just go with the Goliath? We know the Goliath, or do you want to try? I mean, we know the David. I don't know. I mean, there are different schools of thought on this. We could, we could go for the Goliath because we have a lead or we could play it safe because we have the lead, <laughs> right? So we could afford to go for Goliath is what I'm saying. But, but I, but I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't, unless you've got anything on this, I'm pretty sure that if you gave me choices, I would say, yeah, it's either Kansas city or, or, or New York or Louisville. It's one of the, it's, it's some, but it's something like that, but I'm tempted to, to be honest with you, I guess the more I'm thinking, I think we should just take the, take the points and run and go with the David. Okay. All right. So it is new Orleans, right? Isn't that where it is this year? It's a new, it's a new Orleans this year. Yes. Yep. Okay. We'll check in with the David with new Orleans. Okay, and the Clockwork Orange liqueur, what did you have? Yeah, so the same logic that David talked about, I, I was pretty confident that they played in a couple of odd locations, but the first double one would have been Kansas City, I thought. like If he says it was 39, I thought it was either the late 30s or the 40s. I thought late 30s, but whatever. And then I think it was after that they played in Kansas City that they played played almost every year in New York because the teams played in both the NCAA tournament and the NIT. So, so we checked in with Kansas city for Goliath. Okay. The David answer, the location of this year's final four hosting for the sixth time is the new Orleans Superdome. So 1982, 87, 93, 2003, 2012, and 2022. The Goliath answer having hosted Nine times. Let's see. That includes one, two, three, four, five, six modern final fours and three original national championship games. Municipal Auditorium in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm glad you you came through with that, Matt, because I thought it might be Seattle. I, I know they hosted. I know they hosted a couple times really early. And I really was racking my brain. That's why Matt was like sending me stuff and I had my head in my hands, like trying to suss it out. So, so, think, uh, so I think Minneapolis was one of the early ones and Seattle is one of the early ones. Uh, if they, I mean, they may have been one of the early, early ones, but 
So 39 Evanston in uh, on the campus of Northwestern was the first oh the first okay. final four championship game. Then 41 40 41 and 42 in Kansas City at Municipal Auditorium. Then 43 44 45 46 47 and 48 at Madison Square Garden. So David, not that far off, but Kansas City hosted them um hosted them before. The reason um, I had to change it up just a little bit. Technically, from 39 to 51, the semifinals were held at the regional sites. So they didn't have a separate Final Four. They just played the regionals and the, and the regional champions played each other. And then they played a national championship game at a neutral site. So there you go. The more Seattle, you know. I just, I had to look it up. Seattle in 49 and 52. Ah, yeah, that would have been the year after um, mm-hmm. New York City. On to question number three. Question number three, David. The first fighter to win multiple UFC tournaments during the open weight era. So the open weight era was when they didn't actually have weight classes. For what it's worth, I will. I can also add the year that the open weight era ended. If anyone really wants that, are you speaking English right now? I'm confused. <laughs> can I you am, start? I can you start over? Honestly, yes. yes. Okay. Question number three, David, the first fighter to win multiple UFC tournaments during the open weight era. Question number three, Goliath, the first American fighter to win multiple UFC tournaments during the open weight era. You want to just do that? Sure. Okay, we're going to check in. Okay. Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in, so break your back in the camel clutch. You guys can talk it out. Wow. All right, Adrian, how's your UFC? Probably as good as my death metal. <laughs> all right so, so i was i was half expecting your deliberation from now on to be like <laughs> um to win multiple ufc tournaments during the open weight era so when do you think the open weight era started yeah. i think the open weight era started whenever ufc started i think they just went they went the weight classes after that because it was a lot of so big on big on little fights. So early two thousands or something like that. I mean, what are we, what are we, what are you thinking? Two thousand late something like that. I'm thinking nineties. Nineties even. Okay. So, I right, took so, so so throw out some names. I mean, like I said, I, unless you know um, somebody for Goliath, David's got to be somebody that's a big name. Uh, probably. Uh, let's see. Uh. Great, this is uh, Gracie. Uh, maybe, maybe like a George St. Pierre or something for like Americans. Maybe it's either like uh, Dan Severn or Ken Shamrock. Well, Gracie, you're talking about um, the Brazilian guy, Gracie. And so, because uh-huh. okay, so so that would be that would be your proposal for a David answer, you're saying, right? And for the Americans, like Ken Shamrock or uh, Dan Severn. So now it's just the all-star team of people who made it to professional wrestling at some point. Um, well, actually, yeah, but also they're they're like they're like UFC names I remember from back. The UFC names I know. Sure. 
I mean, I'd be okay with going at Dan Severn because honestly, like you've given me enough doubt that maybe my, my David thinking is completely wrong. So we might as well go for the Goliath. I mean, do you have any thunder behind Dan Severn? Nope. It's a name I know. Well, okay. So, so why not? I mean, I don't sure. know. Sure. I'm, I'm with it. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, if we, like I said, if we don't have anything for David, we might as well take a shot in the dark at Goliath. All right. Uh-huh. Are you right with checking that in? Yeah. We check in with uh, Dan Severn. All right. And a clockwork orange liqueur. What did you guys check in with? Um, well, I, I don't like that you named somebody that was, that definitely competed in an open weight era. I don't like that. Um, because I do know for a fact that the guy who won the first couple of UFC pay-per-views and those tournaments was Hoist Gracie. Um, so that's what we checked in with. But I don't like that you said Dan Severn because he was definitely of that era and he's definitely American. So uh, we checked in with the David with Hoist Gracie. Oh, the David answer winning the first two UFC pay-per-views and three of the first four uh, was indeed Hoist Gracie, whose family set up UFC to prove that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was the best and invited all different kinds of fighting styles so Hoist Gracie could lay on them. The first American to win multiple UFC tournaments during the openweight era, winning UFC 5 and the ultimate ultimate Dan Severn. Oh my God. Come on. What a pull. Wow. We don't, we don't deserve to win this one, Matt. You just, you just earned your stripes, my friend. So yes, the first man to compete in the UFC and WWF at the same time held the NWA and UFC championships at the same time. An all two-time All-American at Arizona State and a U.S. Olympic alternate, Mr. Dan Severn. So Ken Shamrock never actually won an open weight uh, UFC tournament. He did fight in some of the like mega fights after. Right. Um, the first American to win was a guy named Steve Jenham. And so if you haven't watched one of those early. That's the one where Gracie got so tired in his first fight that he had to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. The semifinal and the semifinal got canceled, and then his replacement ended up going on to win the whole thing. Yeah, I literally threw in the towel. Literally, literally, they walked down, threw a towel into the ring, and then walked wow. back to the locker room. And that was the like the who, very first one. It was the uh, UFC three. Oh yeah, yeah, because because Hoist Gracie beat the hell out of everybody else because they didn't know what to do. He was wearing a full gi. And he was just choking. He was just laying on people and choking them, basically. And yeah. nobody knew what Brazilian jiu-jitsu was at that time. They were just like, oh, we're just going to come in here and fight. Well, for the record, I would have gotten the David wrong. <laughs> My teammate. I wanted, you to go. I wanted you to go for David. <laughs> we just need to hold steady. And then Adrian pulled out <laughs> Dan Severn. Once he said Dan Severn, I was like, that's one of the two people. I was thinking it was either him or or um frank shamrock is who i was thinking of but i know i know frank shamrock is the first middleweight ufc champion so yeah the other um so yeah open weight adrian was right they literally did not have weight classes just you had a sumo wrestler fighting a kickboxer and a 200 pound blood sport 
Yeah, it was without the like <laughs> slanted ring. It was the Kumite in an octagon. So, Matt, do you have four sixty-five to four ten? Yep, four sixty-five four. to four ten. Support for today's Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's Performance Package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code... BTP at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about uh, 8 million balls. So to get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTP at manscaped.com, head on over there and get that 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code BTP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. That brings us to the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, known as Put Your Fours Up. This quarter consists of four categorized questions that teams will wager up to 100 points each, not to exceed their current point total. The categories for today are as follows. Deuces. That is regarding the NFL. Aces, regarding golf, one-eyed, regarding basketball, faces, regarding boxing. It is now time for the teams to place their wagers. Now that the wages are in, on to the questions. Question number one, induces. During Emmett Smith's illustrious career, he rushed for over 2,000 yards against each of his NFC East division opponents. So New York, Philly, Washington, and um, Arizona. Averaging over four yards per carry against each of them. What non-NFC East team is next on his list of most yards against? This does include the playoffs. Okay, we can check in. All right. Break your back in the camel clutch. It's checked in. So... Clockwork Orange LaCourie, talk it out. So he said um, NFC East, and then he named Giants, Eagles. Uh, oh, that's not in the one he posted, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was sitting there. Maybe he's being cute with the Cardinals, <laughs> right. you know, right. that's they're no longer an NFC East team. So okay. Right. Um, so teams that they, because they would have been, you know, as a team that was uh, finishing first in their division, they would have played against teams who were playing first in their division the whole, you know, through most of that right, right, middle right. to early to middle, late 90s. That would have given us the 49ers, Packers. Well, and, they, and at that time, there were only three divisions, so there were, yep. there were four. Yep. So... Uh, I mean, the Bears were dog yeah, crap Bears. in the 90s. Yeah. The Lions were good in the early 90s, but they were never good enough to play them as the number one. They, I mean, the Lions didn't win the NFC Central very often. 
No, but they were, you know, they were they were around the playoffs then. They were. Yeah, the Lions made the playoffs a couple of times. Well, I mean, Rasputin when they had uh, what's his name as their coach, Wayne Fontes. Um, Wayne. Wayne Fontes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do Rasputin, you want to just say Forty Niners? I think we both said it. I, I think mean, the Forty Niners seems like the most logical one. Because there was some turmoil in the central about teams, you know, Tampa, I think might've had one good year in there or whatever, but I think uh 49ers is probably our best bet. Uh, you want to go with that? I like it. 49ers for 100. Right. And break your black, blah, 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 blah. break your back in the camel clutch. Yeah. When guess- we saw, when we heard you say, including the playoffs, we also thought about, you know, who would Dallas have played in the playoffs if they were winning the conference every year. So we also came up with the 49ers for 100 points. Okay. I can tell you that Emmett Smith in 12 games rushed for 776 yards against the San Francisco 49ers. Both teams are receiving points. And the Atlanta Falcons are next on the list and close. Uh, they actually, he played eight games against them, but rushed for 740 yards mm. against them. Would anyone like to take a gander at who Emmett Smith has the best average yards per carry against for his career? Is it the Buffalo Bills? It is not the Buffalo Bills. Uh, all right. Actually, strangely enough, not a great yards per attempt huh. against the Buffalo Bills. Is um, it? is it the Seahawks because he broke the record against them? It's not the Seahawks <laughs> either. Is is it the Lions? No, I thought that too. Um, no, the correct answer: the Rams. In, in six games, on eighty nine attempts, five hundred and fifty eight yards against the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Six point two seven yards per attempt. Question number two: Aces in golf. Which PGA legend currently holds the record for longest time between their first and last PGA Tour hole-in-one? This golfer's first came at the 1974 Los Angeles Open. And perhaps fittingly, his final hole-in-one came at the 2011 British Open at Royal St. George, where he finished 22nd. We're going to go ahead and check in. Right, a clockwork orange liqueur. Has checked in. So break your back in the camel clutch. Talk it out. We we were first trying to figure out what qualifies, at least in Eric's mind, a PGA legend, right? So this would, given that the span of the holes in one would be seventy four to two thousand eleven, it's that's too recent a stretch to be Gary Player. That's too recent a stretch to be Nicholas or Palmer. It's obviously too far back to be Tiger. So then Adrian threw out Tom Watson because he had that run in the early 2010s. And I couldn't remember exactly what year it was. And then we were sort of going back and forth saying, but what does Eric mean when he says, uh, where you said something about fittingly, fittingly his final hole came, hole in one came in the British open. And so we were, then we, then we sort of paused and said, okay, wait a minute. Is it an English golfer? Is it a British golfer? And then eventually all of a sudden it hit me that Tom Watson was sort of known because he won the British open, like, I don't know, multiple more, more than he won any other major. So we figured it had to be Tom Watson. Oh, sorry. This was how far we got until this point. So we decided right, right before they did 
that we were going to check in with Tom Watson. Okay. And a clockwork orange liqueur. What did you check in with? We had a uh, a vastly less intelligent conversation about this. <laughs> it was primarily me throwing out a bunch of names of people that I knew golfed in the range of the 1980s. And he said, basically, uh, pick one. And I said, uh, Hale Irwin. So we checked in with Hale Irwin for 69 points. Well... David, the year you are thinking of for um, for Tom Watson was 2009 when he finished second at age 60. <clears throat> so David touched on a lot of the points. One team will be receiving their points. The correct answer is Tom Watson. Tom Watson, five British Open. So yes, I would say the guy who's like sixth on the list all time for majors would be considered a legend in golf. Uh, five open championships, two masters tournaments and a U.S. Open. Never won the PGA. Uh, he's also won three senior British Opens. So eight total British Open championships between the regular tour and the senior tour. Uh, played in his last his last open championship in 2015 where he missed the cut. Question number three. <laughs> One-eyed. And this is in basketball. Although fully blind in one eye from a basketball accident that occurred when he was 14, what former Baylor star was nearly drafted into the NBA before being diagnosed with Marfan syndrome? While this diagnosis led to his being deemed unfit for the NBA, he did go on to play four years of overseas pro basketball before returning and becoming the number one overall pick in the 2021 Big Three Draft. You can check in, Matt, if you trust me. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in, which means break your back in the camel clutch. You have a few minutes to talk. I can picture this guy because they... I they see did, him. Yeah, they did one I of those... I see se- him putting on the hat. Yeah, yeah exactly. They did He's one of those... seven feet. yeah. Yep, that's the guy. They they did one of those sentimental things where he went up there with the commission and he um wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can get there. He's a guy who has uh it's he has two first names. All right, time's up. All right. No, doesn't get to no wait, doesn't wait, get wait, to we're, we're gonna get there. Um, I think his first name was his first name like Isaiah or something. Isaiah, Isaiah Austin. That's his name. That's his name. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. From now on, David has less than tw- 10 seconds from after the question. <laughs> Time is not my thing. It. Time, I, my, yeah. my, my recall is much slower. But David, anyway, no, David all- and uh, Dan both need timers. So, new rule. Wait, that was short time, just for the record. But Adri- Adrian kicked that one straight out of my head. Isaiah Austin, check it in. Fight of the team on team violence. Uh, the breaker back in the camel clutch is checked in. So the clockwork orange liqueur, what did you guys have? How many points did you guys check in for? 100. Um, yeah. Uh, this, they gave him the ceremonial hat um, or the goggles while he played. We've also checked in with Isaiah Austin for 100 points. Ceremoniously drafted between the 14th and 15th pick. 
Both teams will be receiving points. The correct answer was Isaiah Austin. He was given a job offer by the NBA if he finished his Baylor degree. And after his year in the big three, he took up the NBA on that and currently works in the front office for the league. We will head into question number four, which is faces. And it is about boxing. Which boxer? fresh off of a TKO victory over Ricky Hatton a few months prior, appeared at a WWE pay-per-view event in 2008 and and aided Rey Mysterio in attacking the big show. While fans didn't love the idea of him being a face, the following night, the big show challenged the boxer to a no-DQ match at WrestleMania 24, which the boxer would go on to win thanks to the aid of Brass Knuckles. No. You can't hide a wrestling question behind a boxing category and name you Jack Pine. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we can check in. Oh, well, there you go. Clockwork Orange Liqueur has checked in. So break your back in the camel clutch, perhaps somewhat fittingly. You guys want to talk out this wrestling adjacent question? That Matt doesn't believe is wrestling adjacent. <laughs> he doesn't believe it's boxing. <laughs> it was a boxing match, pretty much. Uh, yeah, Adrian, do you know this one? I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that the big show at WrestleMania fought um, Floyd Mayweather. The, the, yeah, I, I remember tracking this at the time. I think he was so goofy because he's so much smaller than the big show. I was pretty sure he couldn't even reach his jaw. You know, like, I mean, Floyd Mayweather is not a big guy, but yeah, no. I, 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 it, it's Floyd Mayweather, 100%. We could have, yeah. we could have three, two, one this one with, with, uh, with Marcus. With, with Marcus. I, I know he, once he, ch- I'm pretty sure with Floyd Mayweather, once he, ch- I knew he knew. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You're not going to slip a wrestling question past Marcus. Let's see if we did. Marcus, did I slip a wrestling question by you? You did not. He was wearing these ugly, like, I want to describe them as like they're like lambskin trunks or something. It's it's really or like like a fur like fur trunks in this match against the Big Show. Um, but yeah, I also checked in with Floyd <laughs> Floyd Money Mayweather. Let's just say this right now: they mainly did this because for a long time, out of absolutely nowhere, they made the Big Show start doing a punch for his finishing move because he's the big show. So he has these big frying pans for fists, right? But the guy never extended his arm. So it always looks so stupid because the guy's clearly not throwing a punch as hard as he can. So why are we even entertaining the fact that he's knocking somebody unconscious with it? It was the worst. So anyways, Floyd Mayweather for 69 points. Right. Well, it appears I did not slip a wrestling question by Marcus because both teams will be receiving points. Yes, the winner of that no DQ match was indeed Mr. Money Mayweather himself, Floyd Mayweather Jr. How many did you guys bet on that last one? I <laughs> 46. Well, the game has come to an end, and here are the final scores. A clockwork orange liqueur finish was, finishes with a respectable 610 points. And our clipboard captains of the game who are receiving the coveted and now newly minted benchwarmer Baker Mayfield award uh, is with 811 points is break your back 
in the camel clutch. Yay. Matt, say yay. Do your thing. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything you guys want to say before we call tonight? Adrian, I love you, man. I always like having you on shows. You're awesome. You were awesome last year in our uh, tournament, and I want you on more often. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for spending the time with us. You're the best. Um, Adrian, this is the last time you're going to be on this show and you and I aren't playing together. I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of them keeping us apart. We got to. Right. Someone gotta needs to write a show time. where the two of you can team up against somebody. <laughs> team. I'll try to write a Marcus and Adrian team up show. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, Marcus, as, as a teammate, I didn't finish. I didn't figure this out until about halfway through, but Adrian has a certain pose that he hits. And if I'm watching on video very carefully, I know he's going to come back with an answer. So I just sit here and I wait. And, and it's perfect. Adrian, this is when he kind of leans back and he kind of looks at him. Yeah. like, yeah, he's he looks like he's in this in this sort of perfectly like sort of perfect thinking position, and then I just know it's coming. It's like it's yep. it's it's Adrian's equivalent of the mind palace. Adrian, it was great playing with you, man. It was it was. I thought we complimented each other well. You you sort of kicked some stuff out of my brain. I think we had some good discussion. And thanks for coming on, and thanks for the support for the podcast. Uh, it's always great to to have you, and it was great to, great to meet you and great to play with you first time out. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I have fun every time I come on. And, you know, David, thanks for carrying me. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, Eric, let me let me also add, because um, when I was talking about how great it was to have Adrian as a partner, I, I, ne- I neglected to mention this was a great game. Really, really well written. Great balance. I could have done without the UFC question that nearly broke my head, but thank, thankfully, Adrian came out and came, came strong with that one. But it was a super great game. Thanks, thanks for writing it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was a fun one to write. Well, what the hell? I think we're done. Thanks for listening. Yeah, right? (laughs) What the heck? Thanks for listening to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. And until next time, we'll keep the bench warm. That ball hit high and deep. Stretch. Stretch. Get on back there. They look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Into deep left center for Mitchell, and we'll see you tomorrow night. That great music you're listening to is by Justin Nozick. Thanks to him for producing that music for us. You've been listening to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media. We are at Benchwarmers TP.